ShareCare, helping you find experts, the top minds in health and medicine. It's ShareCare Radio with Dr. Daria Long-Gillespie on RadioMD.com. Hi, it's Dr. Daria and welcome back to ShareCare Radio. I wanted to ask you, how do you launch a social media campaign that sets Guinness World Records? How do you launch your own firm? And how do you do this while raising three children and maintaining your sanity? Only one woman can answer this, and she's from TV to PR executive, from Sesame Street to VH1 and Saturday Night Live, marketing executive Danica Comble founded the Everywhere Agency, a leading social media marketing firm. Danica has an amazing track record helping clients from CNN to Coca-Cola to Macy's, and she's behind the record-setting hashtag beat cancer campaign. Danica, thank you so much for joining us. I love being here. I want to just first start out with your background. Sounds like your path has been very exciting, but not necessarily linear. And tell us how you got to this point. Well, I would just say I don't know of many women who rose in the ranks and had a linear pathway. Sometimes it feels a little bit more like a maze mm -hmm. when you're trying to raise a family and, and keep your career alive. Um, for me, there's always been one line or kind of a thread through the body of work that I've done, and that's been media and marketing. Mm -hmm. So I've always been passionate about media and marketing. I would say as an executive woman, one thing that I've realized is sometimes you have to take a couple of steps back mm -hmm. and then to get one step forward. Okay. And what do you mean by that? So you can't always be rising. I don't think it's as we were led to believe that you enter the corporate world and you rise the ranks. It just doesn't happen that way. Maybe it used to, but I just don't see it happening. I think today the statistic is the millennials entering the workforce will have 14 different jobs in their lifetime, 14 different jobs. So how can each one of those jobs be a stepladder? So I guess I'm talking generally, definitely for me, there were times that I was stepping back and moving forward. You know, when I left TV, I had to take a big step back and enter the world of, and prove myself in the world of PR. Mm -hmm. That's true, you're right. With no, no credentials on my resume. And you sometimes it's just taking a leap, which you also did when you founded your own firm. You left a very, you know, very top position to just take that leap, find, found your own firm. What gave you the confidence to do that and really conquer those fears? You know that saying that necessity is the mother of invention? That's essentially what made me conquer those fears. I had three children. Um, one was definitely college bound. I looked at her and I looked at her GPA and I knew she was going to pick a top college. And I knew that top colleges were really expensive. And I knew I had to make a lot of money. <laughs> so that's really what drove me. Um, you know, you always hear people talking about launching their careers. They said, follow the passion. But I think most people, when they're thinking about launching a business, let's be honest, they're also following the money. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. And it's, it, it's very practical to look at, you have to look at all the different yes. angles. And so when you were doing that, you went into social media. Social media is a 24 seven you could job, you could probably be doing your work at two in the morning. How do you define that and have your work life and your personal life and keep them separate? Or do you? Um, I didn't. For the first three and a half years, I didn't. I didn't sleep. I was up at 2 a.m. I was on Twitter at ridiculous hours. I was working constantly. My health paid the price for that. Really? I was stressed out. Um, I gained weight. 
it wasn't, and I wasn't ever present. I wasn't present in meetings. I wasn't present with my family. And it took a wake-up call and a family reunion. I was with my entire family, my nieces, my nephews, and they looked at me and they said, you never sit down, you never stop. And I realized I had spent that entire weekend and I wasn't present. So it was a wake-up call to me. And three years in, I made a big shift. And I decided I was going to be present in meetings. I decided I was going to put my phone down so I could actually be there. And I started to meditate and do yoga. Really? So how do you, when you're at home, how do you truly just put it down? Do you have a couple of rules for yourself or how do you do that? I wouldn't necessarily say it's the difference between work and home. It's also during the day. You have to step away from your devices. You have to put yourself on a digital vacation. So today, I realized I wasn't making great decisions and so I took a walk. Um, I have an app on my phone called Headspace and it's meditation in 10 minutes. I highly recommend it. Okay. So just kind of like a 10 minute meditative moment. I go back to the challenge at hand and I, and I conquer it much better. And it's true. I mean, science has shown that too. When you take a little bit of a brain break and you come back, you're fresher, you're looking at it from a different angle. So the app you like is Headspace. I like the app Headspace. And, you know, I'm a pretty data-driven person, so I knew I had to make a shift. So I started reading about women in executive positions who began to take a breather in order to be more successful. Arianna Huffington wrote a book called Thrive. Yeah. I read that from cover to cover. I started researching other women who were bringing um, meditative practices into the workplace and finding more success. So even though it was self-serving, I also went for the data to say, I, could, I can still be successful if I take the time out to be calm. And meditation seems like one of those things, I know I probably should do it, but it seems like it's one of those just and just saying, I'm going to take this time in the day. Do you do it regularly or is it just when something's very stressful, you pick it up? I wouldn't say I have a regular practice, although I notice that sometimes my staff will look at me and say, do you think you need to meditate? <laughs> so they remind me. Very nice. I mean, so you have a little bit of external push yes. too. Now, I, speaking of social media, I want to talk about you know, some of the successes you've had in life. Tell us about the hashtag Beat Cancer campaign. I'd love to tell you about that campaign. It was six years ago that we secured the Guinness World Record for hashtag beat cancer. And at that time, we were still having to prove to our clients that social media was more than Kim Kardashian said, saying what she had for breakfast that morning. And I truly believed that social media had the power to do good. Mm -hmm. So more or less on a whim, we decided to launch this campaign, hashtag beat cancer, and raise money along the way for cancer serving nonprofits. We went to Blog World, which at the time was the big, one of the big social media conferences, and we launched it there. Um, Back then, hashtags were primarily on Twitter. We encouraged all the attendees to use hashtag beat cancer. Um, within an hour and a half, it was trending on Twitter and remained trending for two and a half days. So we secured the Guinness World Record for beat cancer. We held it for two and a half years until Justin Bieber turned 18 and his fans BS. That's tough so competition. I really wish that whoever took the the Guinness World Record from us would have used it for good, but happy birthday, Justin. Justin. Hashtag Justin Bieber. Well, and how, what tips do you have for somebody who's getting started in social media and trying to build, you know, build campaigns for their company, like here at ShareCare or as individuals as well? I've always said just two things. One, you just have to get your feet wet. 
it's very difficult in social media to know that a campaign or that it's going to be successful. So you absolutely have to get your feet wet. You've got to test it out. And then um, secondly, really look at your audience and ask yourself, is my audience there? So social media is pretty wonderful. Um, there are some people that would say it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but your audience isn't always there. Your audience may not be on Twitter. Um, just because Periscope is the new hot thing doesn't mean you should jump on the Periscope bandwagon. You really have to look at your audience and see where your audience is and where they're getting their information. That's a good lesson for any kind of business is know, you know who's your customer and go to where they are. Go to where they are. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I want to switch a little bit to some of your work-life balance. You talked about you, you have three children and a husband who was traveling a lot. You know, what were some of the challenges that you faced as you're building this with the three children at home, building your career? What were some of those challenges and how did you address them? The biggest challenge is how do you fit a hundred hours of activity into a 24-hour day. Yes, what's the answer to that? <laughs> it's not us. possible. The only strategy that we could come up with as a family was to treat it like a family decision. So we had family meetings where we would put the challenge on the table, literally on the dining room table to the family. And the challenges might be, dad's in Beirut, mom can't go to soccer and ballet, what should we do? Mm -hmm. And so the kids themselves and I would make the decisions together. Um, at one point, family dinner was really beginning to deteriorate because it seemed like all the kids' activities were at four and five o'clock, so I couldn't make dinner. So as a family, we put it on the dinner table and we decided that each kid would take a different night hmm. of cooking dinner. Really? So that was very interesting. I had a nine-year-old son at the time. Nothing about boys and cooking, but this child just didn't have it in him. But one night, he had a recipe that he was supposed to make chicken nuggets, and he didn't have all the ingredients. And he took a bag of goldfish, and he crunched it up, and he put the chicken in goldfish. And I'm here to tell you, this was the most delicious chicken I've ever had in my <laughs> life, and it's still a family favorite. So that was his one meal, and we had that meal every night that he cooked for three years. Well, again, necessity, the mother invention, yes. in his own way. Yes. Is that, you know, and I've heard other women say similar things. They got their children involved in the decision making, so which I think is brilliant. I hadn't thought of it, so it's really helpful. If you could go back, you know, however many years, and talk to yourself as a, a young mother, young working woman starting out, what would pieces of advice that you'd be giving yourself? Chill out. <laughs> That's the number one thing I would say. Really? Um, this may not sound very positive, but I'm going to say it. Lower your standards. <laughs> you really just kind of have to accept a certain amount of chaos. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would say is, and this is the hardest thing for mothers to understand, is you've got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Because if mama's not healthy, nobody's healthy mm -hmm. and there were times I would get so run down and I would get so exhausted and the entire fabric of our house would really begin to suffer from that mm -hmm. so really making sure that you're healthy that you're present that you're there in the family is going to make a difference to the health of the entire family okay and it sounds like one of the ways you did that was through meditation mm -hmm. what were some other ways that you find ways to fit time for health into your life um, you know, a lot of uh, physical activities with my kids, mm -hmm. finding a physical activity that they liked and doing it with them was a great thing. Um, we got a dog, 
so, you know, the nice thing about a dog is they're always happy to see you. And when you have teenagers, they're never happy to see you. And psychologically, after a while, that begins to take its toll. When you walk in the door every day to these ornery creatures, but I have this dog that I walked in the door every day and that dog was thrilled to see me. So for a lot, I should have named the dog Prozac because of the effect that he had on my life. I love it. So, and so what, lesson learned, as they get to become grumpy teenagers, get yourself a dog. Something. Yes. <laughs> Something. Very nice. It's very good for you. And how do you just find the time? And how do you carve it out in your day? I don't know if you ever find time. I just think that you've you've got to make it. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a priority. Mm -hmm. um, the same as there's just, you brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. Now are you a morning exercise or an evening exercise or just whenever you can fit it in? Whenever I can fit it Doesn't in. Doesn't matter? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes it's the end of the day when it's dusk. Mm -hmm. And what's your favorite thing to do? Actually my favorite thing to do because I live in Atlanta and I live right next to the Olmstead Linear Park Alliance. Mm -hmm. Um, is walking in those parks. It's a, it's a series of parks that were designed by the Olmstead brothers. And I love walking in those parks, so. Walking is a nice way. It also just gives you a moment of quiet mm -hmm. and gets away from everything. Now, one of the other things that you do when you're not working and spending time with your family is volunteering. I know you're very, very active both in the U.S. and abroad. Tell us about what got, you got interested in those things and what you're doing. Well, I've traveled to Haiti eight times since the earthquake, and I've worked on a variety of different artisan programs in Haiti. Haiti is a country rich in the arts, and so the programs that I've been working on have been designed to bring Haitian artisan products to market in the U.S. Probably the best known one is a program called Macy's Heart of Haiti. Macy's carries a line of goods made by Haitian artisans. Um, so. That's one thing I do. Now, the truth about the activities that I do is that I actually benefit from it because they keep me centered. They keep me real. So over the course of any day, I'm sure you've had a stressor or two today, you travel to a place like Haiti and you say to yourself when you have a stressful moment, guess what? I have a roof over my head. I have running water. I have choices. The things we take for granted. And it's so easy to. This kind of travel that I do really balances me. Um, and I'm also, we've all developed an expertise in different areas. The, and it's really wonderful to say I'm going to take that expertise, in my case it's marketing, and I'm going to apply it to a place like Haiti and do what I can to help. So you help spread the word about mm -hmm. the work that they're doing and the products. Yes. And you work with Macy's, is that mm -hmm. part Absolutely. of that collaboration? Yes. Mm -hmm. You also are doing some things for leadership and development of women here in Atlanta, mm -hmm. I understand. What are those? So I have served for a number of years on the board of the Atlanta Women's Foundation and really trying to look at the issues of poverty in Atlanta and uh, generational poverty. So one of the ways that you address that is you fund programs that help women get out of generational poverty. So I would just say with that piece, um, it's really about making a stretch with your wallet. 
So making donations, I think one thing, people want to volunteer, but to really feel the impact of the difference you can make. You pull some dollars out of your wallet, you take it away from yourself, and you try to make a difference that way. So because Atlanta Women's Foundation is a fundraising organization, I had to realize in order to be part of it, I had to make a stretch financially. Mm -hmm. So it's making a donation with your time and, and my money. money. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. And once you see how the majority of so many people in the world live, it seems like some mm -hmm. of the things we may be saving for are a little bit unnecessary. You can donate a little bit and afford to do that. Absolutely. I want to make sure we get to some actionable tips. Mm -hmm. Always, we like to do this as part of the Busy Women's Guide. You know, tips, whatever they may be, whatever you feel most strongly about for fitting in health. You've talked about meditation. Tell us some other things about how you keep your sanity every day. Um, how do I keep my sanity? I don't know if I keep my sanity every day. <laughs> Maybe part of it is accepting a little bit of insanity. Yeah, uh, we have a motto in my office. Actually, it's on a sign. It's called Embrace the Craziness. Mm -hmm. So, or Embrace the Crazy is what it mm -hmm. says. So, part of it, I think, is understanding there's going to be a little bit of crazy mm -hmm. in every day. Um, I definitely think bringing volunteerism to the fabric of my life and in the fabric of my family's mm -hmm. life has certainly helped. Because like I said, that really centers me. Mm -hmm. It makes me realize where my priorities should lie. Mm -hmm. And when you say accepting a little bit of crazy, that probably ties into what you were saying earlier about chill out, lower yes. your standards a little bit. Yes. Because we're probably, is it part of the kind of the perfectionism we're all Absolutely. kind of aiming for? Absolutely. The demands we place on ourselves as women today. And let's face it, we really are in an era where women can be successful in the workplace so then the next question becomes well then why aren't i more successful so yes which is part of it is acceptance you know yeah which is something that i know we all struggle with and probably the meditation will probably help mm -hmm. with that as you're going through it you know you mentioned advice to giving to yourself as a young mom is that the same thing you would give to yourself just being a a young person starting out in business and you know their first maybe their first three or four jobs as opposed to going on to their 14th and 15th that you talked about many millennials will have. Yes. So the question is, what advice do I yes. give to younger women? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I mentor quite a few younger women and they always ask me to tell how I rose through the ranks or some of the things that happened to me. But I look at them and I say, my story the period when I entered the workforce, which was the 1980s, was very different than what you're experiencing today. So my advice really isn't relevant to you because my experience was different. You know, at that time, women were still new in television. You know, I could, could count the number of mentors I had in television. So it's a different world. So I'm actually excited to learn from younger women and see how their experiences are and maybe take some tips from them. We all have things to learn from each other. Exactly. Danica, thank you so much for joining us here on ShareCare Radio. Again, this is Dr. Daria. You're listening to ShareCare Radio on Radio MD. And if you missed anything today, you can download it at sharecare.com backslash Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well.